0: Hi, this is Joanna Okie here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have part two of our two-part series with Philip Toit from Business Buying Services. Now, in part one, if you missed it, don't hesitate to go back and catch up because we talked all about what it means to have a buyer's agent, why businesses might use someone to advocate on their behalf as a buyer, the kinds of businesses and individuals are that might be clients of a buyer's agent and what they're looking for in a business that they're looking to purchase. We also specifically looked at business purchases who are high net worth individuals, often coming from corporate and we really work through what they're looking for in a business and what makes a successful transaction. But today we're moving on to part two where we are looking in detail at SMEs and mid-market businesses who are acquiring businesses as part of their growth strategy. We also dig into corporates using acquisitions as part of an aggregation model, and we look at where some trends are and where the hotspots are in this area at the moment. So buckle in, here we go.
1: Ladies
0: and gentlemen, are
1: you ready?
0: So obviously, one buy you've just talked about here is looking for a good deal, (laughs) looking for something in the market uh, they think they can pick up at a bargain and, and then run a bit of a turnaround on it. So just taking that particular buy and that particular example, have you seen any, I'm really interested in examples of where you've seen this done really well and then where it has really backfired.
1: Yeah, as I said, this is, it's not for the faint-hearted doing this stuff. And so the clients that are in that bay are acutely aware that there is a lot of risk involved in doing it, but the value of the assets probably are reflected in the risk and so they're prepared to take it. So you know, we've been involved in some engineering companies where businesses have actually grown too quickly and have run out of cash and find themselves on the ropes. And so our clients have been able to add value simply by bringing cash to the table. So there's... Yeah, there's, there's lots of different opportunities around distressed assets. They don't all go to plan in this area, and that's just the reality of it. And the clients, they're, our clients in this space are very sophisticated. They're, they're mid-sized companies with revenues probably of 20 or $30 million. And so they've got the appetite for the risk, but not suggesting everybody should do this.
0: so warning out here don't try this at home without assistance exactly (laughs) okay let's talk about maybe your other markets of SME or mid-market that are looking for we've talked about the distress side but for acquisition as a growth strategy what do these businesses look like when they're coming to you so who are they and what are they looking for
1: so Australia is a, actually is a small market. Organic growth is tough, and a lot of businesses get to a certain scale of that, you know, twenty to thirty million. And organic growth is well expensive as well as tough. And so a lot of our clients in this space develop a strategy around growth requisition acquisition. Now that could be vertically, horizontally. We had one client recently who were in the clothing manufacturing space, and so we vertically integrated and took them through to a retail space. So we acquired. By 20 or 30 stores and so they were then able to manufacture and essentially wholesale as well but vertically integrated into the retail space so that made sense to them. So, yeah.
0: What impact did that have on their Do Did they ever provide you with sort of a synopsis a few years out from the transaction of, of what the success has been of, of the acquisition?
1: Yeah. So, by and large, very successful. We've had clients who have actually made uh, in this uh, mid-market space Anyway, who've made acquisitions, let's say we've made an acquisition on an enterprise value of about five million, and then have managed to add value to the point where they've hold sold those businesses five or six years later for up to thirty million. So
0: that's a great story.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's certainly doable because they bring, you know, mid market businesses bring a whole you know a whole lot of skills and capital and knowledge that business with an enterprise value of five million dollars just doesn't have. It's there to be grown, but often you know they don't have the skills or capital. To do the growth piece themselves.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing from my perspective, I mean, as lawyers, obviously, we sit here at the table and we look at the risk in the transaction and investigate the opportunities within the business from a legal perspective. You know, obviously, and and in getting the deal across the line. But what we're not closely aligned to is the the discussions years down the track of the of the achievement of the acquisition in terms of the goals that the acquirers had pre-acquisition, and it is. Interests me, you know, I love this space, that's why we're in this space. But it's I think it's really important for everyone on our side of the transaction, which is assisting in the transaction getting through, you know, up to completion, to understand what points to success as well. Because there's a lot of discussion around in the market about the the general. Failure rate and failure sometimes is too harsh a term, I think, but the inability of an acquirer to make the most out of the acquisition. And it's interesting, I think it always serves our clients well if we can keep our mind clearly on what it is that makes a successful acquisition years down the track so that we can help point our clients in that direction you know right from the beginning
1: yeah well yeah i think that comes back to picking the right business at the start if you start with the end in mind you're probably likely to be more successful so again you know determining the mandate and also Having a clear strategy or idea of where you want the business to go and does that, will that business do that? We bought a business a number of years ago with a client in facilities maintenance and It was quite a small business and he had come out of corporate and he'd had a plan to retire. He's had a plan to retire in about five years. So he was looking something for something that he could grow within the five years and then pick up perhaps some extra capital at the end of the day for retirement. Now, the business was quite small. It was two owner operators that were working at the coalface, I guess. Because of his corporate experience, he was actually able to look at the business and go, I can add value through technology. He didn't want to work in the business on a day to day basis, but he'd had the skills to manage of 120 previously and, and he had capital. So he managed to grow that business and he's now, interesting enough, on the market at the moment again and well advanced as I understand. He's a sixfold profit on his original investment. So because I think he was able to see that he could add value to it and it wasn't outside of his skill set, and I think that's really, really important. You know, as they start with the end in mind, you're probably well on the way.
0: I really believe that maybe this is where the issues come from. In many instances, when the acquisitions perhaps not as much as of a success as was hoped, is the failure of that proper advance planning piece. I mean, I'm always talking about this to businesses that are selling. You know, the importance of advanced planning before you hit the market you know to ready yourself for sale and understand the tax impacts and all of those sorts of things that still aren't done very well <laughs> by businesses in the most part prior to sale. but I think it's exactly the same for buyers you know it's that pre-work getting themselves ready so that they understand exactly what they're looking for, why how it fits in and how it will flow through that maybe is the missing element from many successful transactions. Is that your thoughts as well?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah, uh, You know, I think you know, we're mad planners. We like our clients to be planners as well. But just to your point around sellers being organised, there's absolutely no question, If you know, if they can put in place some operating manuals and some procedures that make them redundant to the business going forward, that's really compelling for a buyer. Um, having, you know, having the accountant engaged early in the process where they can start to tidy up the account, you know, um, so that they'll, during due diligence, For a buyer, they'll be accurate. So that idea of preparation for both sides, really, the lawyer and accountant for the seller, if they're engaged in the process early, sometimes, you know, a year out, I think they're going to create value for themselves and for the buyer.
0: I absolutely agree. And look, this is one of the things that causes me anxiety in many instances because we quite often get clients referred to us in at the point where basically where the commercial terms have been agreed already. And then we come in and we see how much opportunity there was for a quick cleanup beforehand, but it's too late <laughs> by then, you know, or from the buyer perspective, we can see that, you know, maybe there's some fundamental underlying issues that relate to a lack of planning. But once again, it's too late because one, the commercial terms are there, the emotion is there as well. And, you know, no one wants to slow it down at that point. Well, I mean, you know, the people who are involved, certainly the corporate advisors don't really want to slow it down at that point either, right? So, it's just a source of frustration for me because I just feel like there's so much more we can do for an amazing outcome if we're engaged in the process earlier.
1: Absolutely. It's one of those, and I I get the frustration as well, it's one of those things where if you look at the life cycle of a business, a lot of businesses come on the market when they're slightly in decline. And have done themselves an injustice. Had they have gotten themselves uh, prepared earlier, they're going to maximize the value of their business. And often, this is it the sellers only get they only get to do this once often. You know, this is their retirement plan. And also from the buyer's point of view, it's Gary when you look at something that's fundamentally sound, but there is a bit of a decline in the revenue, a bit of a decline, not because the The business is not sound. The owners have just taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Had they engaged with an accountant earlier, I think probably get a different outcome.
0: I know that, you know what, Philip, that happens so often. And then, you know, my other big beef is going into a sale, just not understanding the right structure to sell it and then it making a massive different tax at the end of the day, you know.
1: Exactly. That's why I'm saying it's a team event. There's no question. No one member of the team has all the skills or knowledge. But as a team, you can certainly, you know, structure's important, planning's important, Evaluation's really important, all those things.
0: Okay, great. All right. We've talked about the high net worth. We've talked about SME market a bit. I just want to quickly touch on the corporate because you, you mentioned in passing that this is another sort of pool of clients that you work with. So what's hot at the moment in, I guess, when you're talking about corporate, corporates, you're talking about corporates in an aggregation mode. Is is that the type of client that comes to you in that size client? Okay. So what's hot at the moment? Who's looking to roll up? Because we've seen lots of industries go through these phases. So I'm interested in your thoughts of what you're seeing right at the moment and maybe future trends.
1: Yeah. Well, I think as always, annuity style businesses or income, always popular. i seen a lot of accounting practices being rolled up by aggregators for a whole lot of reasons, uh, not least to uh, financial Financial planner, and also, other accounting practices you know, looking to grow through acquisition as well. So, that's always a strong marketplace for us.
0: And from what I can see, that's still hot at the moment. That's still going.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of accounting practices are now looking beyond just compliance. They're looking to buy service related businesses so they can add value to their own client base. So, you know, and the revenues tend to be sticky in that space. And I guess another area of interest is Strata. Strata management is always popular for aggregators, the service related businesses that are under contract can give you that annuity style income as well. Another trend I think coming, which is facilities maintenance, that is services provided to high-rise buildings, enormous opportunity for growth in those soft services to those business, whether it's concierge or cleaning or security or fire protection. So aggregators are to looking in that space as well now. So that's a market that didn't exist 10 years ago, but now we've got all these fabulous high-rise buildings around and so that's created an opportunity within that space as well. So I guess that's the, the outcome top three at the moment, just in terms of aggregators. You know, we've always got clients who are looking, corporates who are looking to grow, as I say, through acquisition. But in terms of aggregation, there's also the other buyer out there now, which is, you know, inverted commerce, private equity. And there's a whole lot of different models within that. But, you know, they're looking to add value to a portfolio of businesses, not necessarily in the same space, but, they, you know, they'll bring those management skills and capital again. And, you know, they'll look at businesses business that have some synergistic, whether it's through You know, warehousing or transportation or something like that, you know, they'll, they'll find something in that space as well.
0: One thing that I would like to briefly touch on is the sorts of problems and road humps you see along the way in in the buying process. And I say this because my perspective is most transactions, many transactions (laughs) have road bumps and it's just a reality. And I think the important thing for us as advisors is to be aware of in advance, obviously, but help our clients move through them quickly without getting too emotionally connected to what's going on. But from your perspective, what are the road bumps that you see? most often appear?
1: I guess in terms of the client themselves, choosing a business for emotional reasons would be one. Perhaps insufficient assessment of the time and effort required to run the business and the impact on their family and social life. And also an inadequate assessment of the future factors that might uh, impact on the business and the ongoing value of the business. And also, I guess one of the other main things is the experience in negotiating the right terms and conditions for the acquisition. And and that's where the, the lawyer and accountant and people like us are pretty handy at doing that stuff.
0: <laughs> that's absolutely for sure. I think that's a really good summary of um, of the road roadblocks. Certainly, I think it summarizes a lot of what we see uh, as issues coming in from the buy side. There's certainly a whole heap more from the sell side as well. but
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: And many of our listeners are accountants or other advisors to businesses and just thought it might be useful for us to throw in a few pointers at the end as to what they should be looking out for in terms of when growth by acquisition might be a good strategy for their clients, how they identify that through the work that they're doing with their clients.
1: Yeah, look, okay. I think compliance-based accountants, they say organic growth's tough. And so what you find is these businesses that sort of sit at a certain level of revenue or profit and they can sit there for some time. So they build up a terrific balance sheet of cash, but they need growth. And so often the help of their accountant, if they can advise them to perhaps look at opportunities around growth through the acquisition of the business, I think that's a real value add for the client. And also I think within that, I think accountants, if they can continually value their clients businesses as well and I think that often gives you an indication or gives the their client an indication of where they are in their life cycle you know if you're going to retire in you know five years they need to know what the value of their enterprise is today if it's not what it needs to be for retirement well then they can think about a strategy to get them to that next level and often that's through the acquisition of a business
0: it's interesting isn't it because it seems so obvious when you say it and I do have this discussion many times as well but but it is one of those things that really requires, I guess, a, a process in place to trigger in the process of an accountant asking these questions. But I, I just think they're such useful and valuable insights that as an advisor you can be providing your clients with. So, you know, whilst it's obvious, I don't think it's done enough. And I, I think it should be, and it's a it's a big value add.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, most of our clients come through accountants and so they're proactive. You know, they're actually looking for their client for opportunities and I think... It's a terrific value add. I mean, compliance is critical and absolutely important, but that services side of thinking about the end game for the client is also important, I think, and determining where they are today and where they need to be for retirement. And so I think that's really a great value add if accountants and advisors can do that for their clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, Philip, I just want to say a very big thank you for all of your time today. If any of our listeners are interested in getting in contact with you, how do they do that?
1: Thanks for your time too,
0: my absolute pleasure i've, I've loved this philip
1: i guess you can find us at businessbuying.com.au
0: great businessbuying.com.au and if you are running along on the beach lucky you while you're listening to this but don't worry you don't have to stop your run and write that down we will pop this in the show notes so head over to our show notes on your podcast player or at www podcast.com, where you'll find a link straight through to Philip at businessbuying.com.au. Okay, fabulous. Well, thanks again, Philip. It's been a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you. Well, that's it for our two-part series with Philip Toit from Business Buying Services. Just as a quick recap, in this episode, part two, we looked in more details at SMEs and mid-market businesses acquiring businesses as part of their growth strategy. So we talk about why they might want to use it as part of a growth strategy, where in their business life cycle this might become most relevant, what accountants should be looking out for in terms of signs of when growth by acquisition is a good strategy and how they can make the deal successful in the long term. We also looked at corporates buying businesses as part of an aggregation model and we talked a little bit about current hotspots in aggregation at the moment and a little bit about future trends. So I hope you found that whole discussion very interesting and useful for wherever you are in your business or wherever you sit as an advisor to businesses. Of course, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at www com, where you'll be able to find details of how to contact Philip directly. Finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, I'd absolutely love it if you could maybe take a few seconds out and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast. See you next time. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that
0: will conclude this
1: evening's entertainment.